KCL or live with thanks to Fairgreen Shopping Centre Carlo with a fantastic range of shops, food outlets and a state-of-the-art IMC cinema. See fairgreen.ie. Good morning and welcome along to Friday on KCL or live. It's uh, four minutes past ten. We've made it through a shortened week. My God, has it flown by. Looking forward to the weekend already. I hope you are also uh, moving you a little bit closer to the start of that weekend. Coming up um, just after 11 o'clock, of course, Alan O'Reilly from Carlo Weather brings us what's ahead in the weekend weather as always on a Friday morning great to get Alan's insight Edwina Grace was out and about in Thomastown and she'll be telling us about the Creative Arts Festival that's coming your way about a quarter past 11 and Friday's Friday panel includes Councillor Deirdre Cullen and Peter McConnell from Carlo GAA that and lots more besides you can contact us as always on our Dinners Ready text and WhatsApp line 083 306 9696 and you can free phone the show on 1800 let us know your thoughts on anything we're talking about this morning one of the main topics of conversation this morning will be uh, GP medical cards now available to children as young as 6 and 7 from today in a couple of moments I'll be talking to Dr Tyg Crowley from Airfield Medical getting his view on whether medical practitioners across the country can handle that influx of uh, new medical card holders but before all that, we've got two 50 euro lunch vouchers to give away to brighten up your weekend to celebrate everything. Rafters Gastro Pub with our thanks and friends from Rafters Gastro Pub in Ferry Street, excuse me, um, to celebrate the launch of their new lunch menu designed by new chefs. Everything made to order, fresh and bursting with flavour. Yes, you can check all that menu out on raftersgastropub.ie. I'll have a question for you in a little bit, and you can have a guess at that question. Give me the right answer, and I'll give you that 50 euro voucher. We've a new, by the way, ID Buzz coming for you on Monday morning. Another 100 euros available if you can identify that mystery sound uh, that's coming to you on Monday morning. So do stay tuned because we'll um, keep you entertained, educated, yeah, maybe, and also um, sustained with a voucher from Rafters Gastro Pub. Lots more to come. Um, but as we said, Dr. Doug Crowley joins us this morning from Airfield Medical Centre. Many people quite happy about the fact that six and seven year olds can now avail of free medical cards, but GPs um, seem to be worried. Dr. Todd Crowley, thank you for your time this morning. Are you worried at the uh, rollout of medical cards to those younger age groups? Brian, so far, look, first of all, it's a, it's, it's a, it's a welcome development, and I suppose any, any good news in healthcare is always, it, it, it should always be applauded. I suppose, um, so for anyone six and seven, you know, with children aged six and seven, they can go online, they can apply to their GP um, to get a doctor visit card, which means that their visit to the doctor um, is free, basically. Obviously, medications they have to pay for, um, but they, they they get access to their GP with a free visit. So that's that, that's something that, that that is good to be lauded, and we're one of the one of the only countries in Europe that that um, you have to pay to access your GP in uh, at this age group. So it's a, it is a good news development. I suppose the issue is is obviously, and we've spoken about this before, which you on the show is capacity and how to access your GP. And obviously, we have a shortage of GPs in the country. So, therefore, if you increase the number of visits to the G, number of people coming to your GP, um, there is going to be a capacity issue. Mm. But I suppose on the round, it's still where the country needs to get to. And I suppose the journey is going to be a little bit fraught over the next couple of years until we increase the capacity for general practice. Uh, there are going to be problems. Now, one of the 
the good things on this is that there are a few measures announced that will allow GPs to um, hold on to staff. It's a very competitive environment in terms of medical secretaries and in terms of nursing. And there are a number of measures alone, uh, announced along with this that will allow us in general practice to hire more staff and to hold on to the staff we already have to be able to deal with the increased capacity. But is the problem staff or is the problem actual GPs? So, uh, obviously, uh, we, you know, the, the joy of having more staff is you can, you know, particularly nursing staff, is that you can, it can help in the working day. Ultimately, however, though, you're 100% correct. We don't have enough GPs in the country and we will have to look at how we're going to increase the number of GPs in terms of increasing the number of doctors, first of all. There are schemes out there at the moment that are looking at how we're going to increase the number of GPs coming into the system. And in the last year, the Minister has announced a doubling of the GP workforce over the next three years. All of that has to be welcomed. And then we've got to look at, well, how are we going to retain our graduates, make sure that, they're, that, that, that they don't just train here and then they go off abroad and work abroad and never to return here. So we have to look at making our system that little bit more attractive to hold on to GPs. Well, I mean, the Irish Medical Organisation has said that you know the expansion will probably impact not just the retention, but also the recruitment of GPs in the first place. Um, is it a concern that as we open up GP practices, make them more available to more and more of our population, that GPs or potentially new GPs will go, oh, it's just going to be too busy, I'm not interested in taking that workload on? Well, that's always, that's always the danger, but I suppose we need to be honest with people, first of all, that's what Sloan to Care offers, and, and the all the political parties have mentioned Sloan to Care in their policy. Um, this is the way the, the, the health system is going to go. So therefore, we need to plan as a society of how we're going to cope with that. And that really means increasing the number of GP graduates, increasing the number of doctors coming into the system, and also making sure that before doctors go abroad, that they have a a wealth of knowledge in terms of what goes on in general practice. Now, I'd be an optimist. I think general practice is a lovely place to work. Um, it's a great little grave uh, dealing with patients. It's a it, it's a very enjoyable place to work. But I suppose that the onus is on us working in the practice to deal with the government and saying, right, um, it's a lovely place to work. But if you make it too busy, people will leave and go elsewhere. You're 100% correct. Can you give us some sort of insight as to roughly how many GPs we've got in the country and how many you think that number might need to increase by to get to that level of balance that we need? So actually, we can go outside Ty Crowley's view. They've actually produced figures on this looking at the, 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 at the increase in obesity and the increase in epidemics that are going around the place at the moment. Uh, at the moment, we currently have 2,500 GPs working in the system. By the year 2028, they reckon we need another 1,400 GPs to be working in the system. And that's to take take over retirements that are coming and obviously the increase in workload and the increase switching to the various types of care that are coming. So we need another 1,400 GPs. That means even if we expand the numbers they're talking about in the next two years, we need to hold on to all our graduates yeah. for the following three or four years to match that and that's yeah. the challenge I mean you're talking about roughly speaking four years away before we need to have that extra 1400 GPs how many how many people pass out each year as qualified GPs and how many do we actually hold on to so at the moment we're talking about going from uh, probably about 170 to going up to about 350 so we're going to be doubling the numbers in the next two to three years 
And is that atta- is that so attainable? The, um, again, it's ret- it goes through ret- retention is the difficulty. I yeah. think it is attainable to train them. It's retention is going to be the the challenge. Okay, um, so huge. Do you think in in terms of you know people are going to find that GP practices with the expansion of the likes of the medical card schemes, things like that, that there's no doubt GP practices are going to be clogged up for the next four years at least anyway. Well, I think waiting lists will expand a little bit in terms of, you know, your average waiting time at the moment, and it varies, it, 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 it's, it's say, for routine appointments, and I suppose, you know, us as a society needs to get used to, you know, before we had a situation that you could phone up your GP and get a same-day appointment. Uh, if you're sick, no that's something that we're going to that's really what practices are trying to, to, to cover you know uh, but for a routine appointment those waiting list times are going to expend from about two weeks they'll probably go to about four weeks looking looking at the way the system is going and I suppose that's going to be the new norm for the next the, the next decade I would suspect yeah it's interesting I mean because a text are making a point here the GP visit card shouldn't shouldn't in this particular person's uh, opinion make any difference to the GPs as surely the children getting the cards are all ready registered with GPs um, and they've been paying in private but they're by their parents the children attended the doctors anyway uh, so what's the capacity problem? Well th- th- there's a slight difference I- I- in that although they are already patients as a practice um, and you know this is this is worldwide when you put a financial barrier to attend practice people don't attend but now there isn't a barrier so there is an increase and they've shown this with say, the under six card. There's about a 25% increase in the in the visits over a two-year basis of the way that they will attend. So therefore, people do attend the GP a little bit more often. It's not a lot, but it is a, it is more often. And, you, and if you if you have a couple of hundred children in your practice and it's increased the visits, and it's not a bad thing. It's a good thing, but it just means that that it does put more pressure on the GP and it does increase the the waiting time to see your GP. Um, maybe it's a question that you wouldn't be too happy to answer, but I'll ask ask it anyway. Uh, give me give me give me a rough percentage on how many of those people who then start to attend GP practices more regularly. Do you sit through gritted teeth thinking you're only here because of the fact it's free? Uh, no, I I, I, in, 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 I don't think like that at all. Actually, Brian, really, it's we, we deal in numbers. So, so that it actually doesn't bother us. I'm, I, I'm sitting in, <laughs> at work looking after patients. So you, you tend not to look at, you know, you tend to find out why they're attending. So if they're attending a lot, you begin to start asking, well, I wonder what's, you know, what's the driver for this person attending a lot, you know, when they mightn't have been attending a lot before. And it's to try and find out that because it's generally a healthcare need. People don't generally attend, you know, we all lead busy lives. So, spending three hours down in a GP surgery uh, to attend on a regular basis. It's not something that one would do willingly mm. or something that one would do just because they have a free medical card. So I think there's other drivers rather than just, oh, now I, now I have a card, I'm going to use it. Okay, it's interesting to hear all your views on that in terms of how it will affect the GP practices, but something else that sort of cropped up, and we don't want to spend a huge amount of time on it, um, we've spent enough time dealing with it, is uh, the recent rise in COVID cases. Give us um, a little bit of an insight as to how that's manifest itself in your practice. So, yeah, Brian, uh, what's, what's happening is, no, there's, there's, there's definitely more calls coming with sort of upper respiratory illnesses. There seems to be an increase in the, in the number of people with... Uh, upper respiratory illnesses looking across the water 
there's certainly the, the the new variant has sparked an interest it is in the country here um and i suppose we just need to go back to some of the basics you know please god we're never going to go back to the the uh, to 2020 but i suppose we do need to remind people that if you do have a a, a cold or a flu like symptoms that you need to take some basic precautions such as reducing down your temperature drinking plenty of fluids and you stay away from other people because it could be this new variant you don't know uh, so it's a matter of just some basic measures to say well as opposed to saying right I have the flu I'm now going to go to that party tonight and possibly um, bring infection around it's just to go back to some of the basic measures that, that, and I think we'll get through this Yeah I mean there's a text in here and um, there's no detail in it specifically so I'm happy enough to read it out it says morning Brian can you ask the doctor my daughter tested positive for COVID last Saturday uh, she was working in a hospital so she had to go into the hospital to do a test on Tuesday it was positive but she was told to do another test and go back to work to just wear a mask uh, but said she did a test uh, last night and it's still positive surely not right to go back to work dealing with patients and um, presumably people within the medical profession who test positive how long do they have to wait now given the current guidelines before returning to work you generally stay out five days yeah so five days is the is is the time frame that you stay out and then you're at that stage now testing just because you test positive with a cold antibody after the five days generally after the five days uh the chances of infecting others has reduced down considerably. And most people, uh, w- when they've done the, the initial test, five to seven days is more, more than enough time for to, to clear the system. Okay. And I presume then in terms of general advice, we're certainly nowhere near where we were. And thankfully, I think everybody's... You know, I think it was a good thing. It's terrible to say that COVID was a good thing. But one of the effects of it was that people have become much more aware of their own... Um, responsibilities if they are feeling unwell. I had somebody cancel an appointment with me last week because she had a bit of a tickly throat, as she said it, and I was like, that's a bit of a cop-out. Turns out she tested positive for COVID two days later. Um, It's that type of level of responsibility and personal responsibility that people need to take given the current circumstances. That's it, and we like we do forget at the time of COVID, we were all very responsible, and a tickly throat, you wouldn't have dreamt of going out into a social circumstance. Uh, and you pointed out really well whereas now and, and I, I probably have the same feeling as you as you did there Brian you said ah it's only a sore throat <laughs> yeah. so uh, I suppose the momentum shifts a little bit and you, 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 you get carried away with other things and I suppose it's all about emphasis really isn't it yeah absolutely well listen Dr. Ty Crowley thank you very much for joining us this morning and I hope yeah, you're not snowed under with five and six year olds with tickly throats Thanks, Brian. Thanks a million. Cheers. Always a pleasure. 19 minutes past 10 o'clock this morning, Dr. Tyg Crowley there talking about the rollout of uh, free GP medical cards to uh, six and seven-year-olds uh, available for application today. KCL or live with thanks to the Fairgreen Shopping Centre gift card, the perfect gift for all occasions. See fairgreen.ie. KCLR. Very welcome back to KCLR Live. 21 minutes past 10 o'clock. I did tell you I'd give you something away. It is a Friday. Grafters Gastro Pub celebrating their new menu. They've given us some vouchers to give away, and we're going to give them to you this morning. We've got 50 euro vouchers uh, to give away this morning, as I said, but thanks to our friends from Rafters Gastro Pub. They're in Friary Street, and it's to celebrate the brand new lunch menu they have up there. Designed by new chefs, everything's made to order, fresh, bursting with flavour. Check out that new menu at raftersgastropub.com. 
ie. All you have to do, we're going to make it relatively simple uh, this Friday morning to be in with the chance of winning that 50 euro voucher. Text and WhatsApp us 083 306 9696. The question I have for you this morning is one of the items that they have on that fabulous new menu is a salad. Ah, but uh, this salad is named after a famous Roman emperor, emperor. But what is it called? Is it the Tiberius salad? Is it the Marcus Aurelius salad? Or is it the Caesar salad? You can let us know. 083 306 9696. I'm sure the text and WhatsApp lines are going to absolutely explode now. Ethnet and all the team will be busy sifting through all those correct answers and picking out a winner before the end of the show. Uh, lots more still to come in a couple of moments' time. Heritage Week gets underway right across the country tomorrow. Regina Fitzpatrick, Heritage Officer, Kilkenny Coco. And John Shortall from Carlow Library. They'll tell us what's planned right across both of those counties. But now joining me this morning, Councillor Brian Donoghue, highlighting fundraising for the Schoolhouse Community and Enterprise Centre in Ratvilly. Anybody who knows Ratvilly is familiar with the building. It's known as the Phoenix Centre. Some know its history former factory, school, that indeed Kevin Barry attended, but all know of its importance within the community and uh, trying to raise funds for it and leading that campaign. Councillor Brian O'Donoghue joining us this morning. Good morning, Brian. Morning, Brian. How are you keeping? Great, thank God. Uh, what does the community hall and the enterprise centre mean to the people of Rathvilly? Oh, look, it's it's the one of the main focal points of the village. You know, as you enter the village, usually the, the three buildings you can see are the, the, the two churches and uh, and the, the old feeding centre. Um, it's going to have a new name if and when we can get it built. It's going to be the, the Schoolhouse Community and Enterprise Centre. And um, a lot of work has been going on uh, for a number of years now. There's a committee of us there started back in 2014 or 2015. Um, trying to just look at getting the, the building back into community ownership and we managed to do that in 2020 and we formed a new committee and a lot of work has been going uh, going on. Thankfully the County Council came on board and um, huge thanks to Kieran Comerford and the, the staff of the local enterprise office who have been um, helping us and we've managed to get planning permission and now the next job we have to raise €200,000 in match funding so that when the um the next fund is announced by the government that we are ready to rock and we have our our match fund in a place and we can we can uh, hopefully spend up to about two million euros turning it into a state-of-the-art building uh, in the center of our village i think these the, the, these buildings are so important and the, the memories that they have i mean you think for example people may be bringing children up to activities and um, that take place oh, yeah. in those buildings and as they walk in they're flooded with memories themselves of you know maybe the teenage disco that they went to where they got their first dance or their first snog or whatever it might have been they're, they're so <laughs> integral to there they, they, they sort of weave through the timeline the history uh, of, of communities like rathvilly uh, absolutely, and uh, I suppose better be careful about the whole snog thing because. Uh, well, were you? Were you? Now, did you do what you were told and stay beside the wall until uh, the priests and the nuns and whoever was running the dance said it was okay to cross the room? You see, you see, Brian. The tricky thing is we're all related in Raffili, so it's very tricky <laughs> to go to a, a, a disco and uh, and try to snog someone. You have to be very careful, you know. But um, but there isn't there isn't a person in Raffili under the age of about I'd say sixty who um, didn't attend Faroiga. Uh, in 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 the hall growing up, um, there was the whist drives uh, on Friday nights. There, um, it was the scene for every any community group that had their AGM. Uh, it was going to be in the in the feeding centre. And uh, my own dad would have worked in it when it was a clothing factory. Um, you know, it it's, it was a cinema um, years and years ago as well. It's had so many um, different. Um, uh, 
uh, phases and, and, and things um, that it's it's a it's a just a huge focal point of our village and uh, we have a GoFundMe page set up um, we've raised about 700 euros so far we've a target on our GoFundMe of 20,000 mm. and we really want to spread the net as wide as we can and ask anybody if it's a euro or two euro that you can spare everyone can just chip in and help us get to our our target it will mean that we can provide um, a state-of-the-art um, multifunctional community space for not just for the village but for the entire surrounding community and then the whole parish you know yeah I think I think painting pictures like that is great for people because it really connects them back to it but tell us what the picture will look like up in Rathvilly when you know you've reached these targets you've achieved the fundraising and the work has been done you know in practical terms what are you hoping to do with the hall we'll have um, uh, multiple office spaces we'll have a huge um, uh traditional hall which are your, your, your large um kind of large space um it'll have kitchen facilities um it'll have office spaces we'd be hoping to maybe have an anchor tenant to help with the, the cost of running costs so some maybe local business would be able to go in there and and have an office permanently um and then your your typical uh, community meeting spaces uh with all modern um high-tech security and the the various um you know projector screens and all that kind of stuff so it will really it'll be um uh, hopefully a state-of-the-art multifunctional um multi-purpose community space for for everybody to, to be able to use and, and access and um we have to thank actually the, the parish and our, our local monsignor uh, McAvoy for their assistance as well they've been very very generous and have given a huge amount of uh have uh, given a commitment of a huge amount of money to help us towards our our target as well, um, but we still have to get this uh, get the word out that we're we're raising money, and we also should thank um, our brilliant uh, Carla Rose, who's a Rathfilly lady, Quiva Deering. Uh, she had a, a table quiz recently and donated half the funds to our cause, which we're really appreciative of. Um, the sixth class in the local national school had a um, a jumble sale and they uh, raised a thousand euro for us which was absolutely uh, tremendous and um, our local um, bus driver uh, Ger uh, Duffy and, and his wife Josie they had a, an event last week and they uh, raised a lot of money for us as well so people are really being generous and they're really chain uh, what I really want to highlight today is to go fund me page it's probably the easiest way for people to chip in and get involved and if you just look up the schoolhouse community and enterprise centre on uh, GoFundMe um, it, it pops up and you can just as I said from one euro to as much as you want we'd appreciate every single cent we can get you know so just go on to GoFundMe and give us the name of the page again on GoFundMe it's the Schoolhouse Community and Enterprise Centre the Schoolhouse Community and Enterprise Centre you mentioned so many people there that took the uh, baton in their own hands and, and, and ran their own little events I presume you know reputable people that might want to get in contact and sort of say well listen I've donated 20 quid on go for me but I think I can do a little bit more I can you know hold a bridge night or maybe I can set up a little lemonade stand outside my own front gates because I, I love going to my dance classes up in the hall and then I'd love a new dance floor or whatever it might be um, is, there, is there a point of contact for people that might be interested in doing something like that absolutely yes so we've our facebook page uh, you can reach out to again just the schoolhouse community enterprise center uh, we have a 13 person committee um chaired by uh, janice joyce um I'm, I'm the secretary and then we've um as i said with 13 other people and our names are all available there on um um the, the facebook page and if you want to reach out to one of those people individually there's no issue we'll accept any help in any way we can 
Yeah, it sounds like a fabulous... Uh, it's such a key part of the community. Um, long may people attend teenage discos and you know, all sorts of activities up in that hall. I, I love the fact every time I mention teenage discos up in that hall, you have a little giggle. I'll have to get you off air sometime and you can tell me some of the stories um, uh, from your experiences up there. Councillor Brian Dunhu, thanks for joining us on KCLR Live this morning. You're very welcome. If you want to donate, do check out that GoFundMe page and um, I'm sure they'll be happy for any help that uh, you can provide to them. And maybe if you've got an idea for an event that you'd like to run, do get in contact as well. Heritage Week gets underway. We'll be hearing about that uh, in just a few moments' time. That and lots more to come. Alan O'Reilly talking about the weather for the weekend just after 11 o'clock. Time for some music. It is a Friday. Why not let them vibes roll along? This is Inhaler with If You're Gonna Break My Hearts. We woke up From the shape of the night, we couldn't find the words. That's inhaler. Bono's young fella as they might say up in Dublin, if you're going to break my heart. 10.33. And talking about young fellas, um, we wanted to wish five young boys from Goran Pitch and put the very best of luck today as they travel uh, to Pulafuca for the under-16s Leinster stroke play. Have a fab day and well done to all of the youth on the team thanks for everybody up at Goran Pitcher but good luck to the team take it back today and go and smash it KCL or live with thanks to Fairgreen Shopping Centre Carlo with a fantastic range of shops food outlets and a state of the art IMC cinema see fairgreen.ie KCLR. Yes, you're very welcome back to KCLR Live. How many people are after these salads that they've got up in Rastler's Grastro Pub because uh, we're giving away a 50 euro voucher? I need to double check, actually. I'm not sure whether it's one or two. We've got two. Ah, two. It does say it here. If I read it, it would tell me that. Two 50 euro lunch vouchers. So double your chances, really. And all you've got to do to be in with a chance of winning that 50 euro voucher to enjoy that new lunch menu up at Gafter's Raster. I've said that twice that way. The Gafters Rastro, Rafters Gastro Pub. That's how it works. Uh, is answer the following question. They have a fabulous menu which includes salads. One of their salads is named after a famous Roman emperor. But is it, do you think, the Tiberius salad? The Marcus Aurelius salad? Or the Caesar salad. I'm sure you can work it out. We don't like to tax you too much um, on a Friday. Text or WhatsApp your answers and your guesses to 083 306 9696. And two of you before 12 o'clock will have hold of those 50 euro vouchers. Well, metaphorically at least anyway, uh, to be able to go and spend time up at rafters enjoying everything they've got to offer don't forget 11.05 we'll be talking to Alan O'Reilly from Carlo Weather looking ahead to the weekend Edwina Grace will be telling us about the Thomastown Creative Arts Festival and that leads me on very nicely to our next guests because we've got a lot going on around Kilkenny and Carlo heritage is obviously a huge part of what we have on offer here and it's not just arts week it's also Heritage Week getting underway nationally tomorrow. I'm joined in studio by Regina Fitzpatrick, Heritage Officer with Kilkenny County Council, and John Shortall from Carlow Library to tell us all about what's planned across both counties. You're very welcome along. Thank you. Ah, very exciting Happy week. To be here. Everybody, very, very exciting week for everybody involved in Heritage. Um, Regina, if I come to you first of all, what's, uh, what's planned? 
What's planned? Well, it's National Heritage Week. It's on from the 12th to the 20th of August. Uh, there are thousands of events happening right across the country. But here in Kilkenny, we've got over 50 events happening um, in the city and around the county celebrating our cultural, built and natural heritage. Yeah, this, uh, we're so lucky, aren't we, you know, across both of the counties, John, to have so many heritage sites and so much importance put on heritage in general. Absolutely, Brian. I mean, it's such an important week and there's huge excitement in Carlow and Kilkenny and around the country about Heritage Week. Um, I suppose in, in Carlow, we're, we're gifted, really, um, with the amount of heritage sites we have in the county and the amount of community groups that do so much to promote heritage and to, to organise events each year for, for Heritage Week. And like Regina said, with the 50 in Kilkenny, there's just over 40 events this year happening in Carlow in every corner of the county. So it's, it's going to be a marvellous week. Well, give, give us a little bit of flavour. We'll go to Carlo first of all okay. of some of those events. Well, I know Owen Sullivan, the Heritage Officer for Carlo, will be in with you on Monday. Yeah. So I'm just going to. It's all right. You can steal his thunder. I don't can worry I? Can yeah, I? Yeah, he, won't, he won't buy it. You he steal away. You're <laughs> first in, best dressed. Isn't that what they say? Or first up, best dressed, whatever way right, it works. Right. Well, we share an office in Carlo, so I'm, I'm very, very much um, informed as to what's happening. So it's 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 great to work with him. Um, a couple of events this weekend, which are, are really lovely. You see, he um, wouldn't get to tell us about them on Monday. No, so ex- exactly. So I'm going to start with those. So there's there's a, a lovely event called Gathering Stories of Drum and Bog, and that's happening tomorrow at 11 a.m. down in Drummond Hall uh, in County Carlow. And then t- also tomorrow from 2 to 5.30, Living Our Past with Cranvane Holywell Committee, and that's on in Kildavan, mm. Carlow. And just to, to Regina will say it as well, but all events are on heritageweek.ie, so yeah. if you want to find out further detail, just go in there. On Sunday then, um, there's two I'm going to highlight, and they're both happening down in Boris. Uh, one is the viewing. No, I need to ask you a question. Yes. Is it, it Boris or Boris? Right? Because as a blow in, right, it obviously reads as Boris, but I've been so lucky to meet so many good people from Boris, yes. as they keep telling me. I need to get this nailed down because there's a bit of a, a bone of contention around here. Boris or Boris? Well, you're asking the wrong man, Brian. I'm actually a Kilkenny man working in Carlo, but I always call it Boris. I know what you mean, though. And, uh, I've. Look, I'll try and find out Sunday evening when I go down. I'll ask specifically. Um, so there's there's one one event happening called Viewing of Traditional Farm Buildings, and that's happening uh, in Boris. And it's been led by Councillor Tommy Kinsel, actually. Yeah. He's opened up his own home farm to have a look at it. And the other one is happening afterwards in Boris Library on Sunday night at 7.30. And it's it's a lecture. Carlo rocks to a, a turbulent past, the story of Carlo's physical landscape. So it's it's all about the geology of yeah, Carlo. Yeah. So. Well, I Virginia, we'll obviously be all over Heritage for the next week at least anyway. And you said, I think, 50 events taking place across Kilkenny. We're obviously not going to get time to go through them now, but give us give us maybe some of the highlights coming up this weekend. Absolutely. So tomorrow morning in Thomastown, we have uh, a talk at the Thompel, which is a medieval church in Thomastown near the Harland Field there for people who know Thomastown. So we'll have a talk there, which is organised by um, Thomastown Community Trust. And uh, that will tell us a little bit about the history of the site and it's also we have a, a big conservation project happening there um, at the moment which is funded by the Community Monuments Fund there's uh, conservation works taking place there so people can see those happening as well uh, tomorrow afternoon uh, in Rath Bay there's an event called the Song of the Scythe and maybe older listeners might remember operating a scythe on their farms many years ago and how should have either gone as well <laughs> I know they might not have been singing at the time <laughs> um, but there's a mehel uh, in Rath Bay uh, which 
which is happening uh, tomorrow uh, afternoon. There's a pollinator walk that's going to be uh, led there by Fiona McGowan, who's an ecologist, and then scything workshops, and that's being organised by Maura Brennan and the Acorn Project. Uh, right across the week, every night of Heritage Week, there's a, a fabulous event organised by Larry Scallon, which is called Walking uh, Kilkenny in 1923. Mm. It's a decade of centenaries project where Larry will guide uh, members of the public right around the city to sites where events happened uh, here in Kilkenny that were relevant to the Civil War in mm. 1923. And that will end at the James Stevens barracks there. Um, there's also Kilkenny libraries have a huge, um, you know, schedule of events happening over over the week in all of their branches across the county. Um, if you've ever watched Who Do You Think You Are on television, you have an opportunity to have a 30 minute appointment with a genealogist cool. and, uh, you know, explore your family history uh, and all of that. So there's it's living heritage. It's there's there's one word that you heritage. mentioned there when you were talking about all of that. And it's a word, believe it or not, I only really came across when my son started secondary school. And it's Mel. Yes. And I don't yes. think there's a direct translation into the English language. Sure there's not, but it, it, no. it sort of has connotations of uh, being a guide or a leader or a friend. And, and, you know, the Heritage Council and the various different bodies that are involved in Heritage, that's really what they are, aren't they? Absolutely. And Mehel is a coming together to mm. help each other. And I suppose, again... Um, you know, probably my parents' generation, you know, would have grown up, you know, in, in rural Ireland, as lots of people in Kilkenny would remember, farms helping each other out, yeah. you know, whether it was for uh, thrashing or whether it was for, you know, harvesting, what any, any sort of those farm tasks, people was used to come together and help each other out. And that really is, uh, I suppose, an ethos and heritage. Again, you know, um, as in Carlo in Kilkenny, there are so many communities who are guardians of their local heritage, be it their nature, the, the, their local river, their local landscape, their local monument, their local traditions or crafts. Um, and to really come together in this week, it's a brilliant opportunity to sort of see your local heritage come alive yeah. and to attend events that don't happen in the rest of the, you know, yeah. especially for this week. John, it's interesting, heritage, people think of heritage as being stuff that took place hundreds or thousands of years ago. But heritage is more about the now, isn't it? Appreciating what happened in the now. Absolutely, Brian. I mean, Regina put it so wonderfully there about the coming together and communities coming together to, to promote and, I suppose, delve into their heritage. We have, I have an example of, of something that's happening at the moment in Carlo, and that's the, the Craft Hub project where Carlo County Council led a, a huge EU project with nine partner countries looking at the tradition of crafts in the different countries. And they're very much, it, it is living heritage, it's living history, it's living craft in today's world and, and looking at the traditional forms of craft, but also looking at new craft and, and new ideas that are out there mm. and bringing it all together. So there's the, the exhibition for Craft Up has it started in Italy in April. It's gone through four other countries and it's arriving in Carlo in visual uh, next week. So it'll be on from the 22nd of August to the 3rd of September. And uh, I mean, it's a marvellous project. I'd, I'd urge everyone to go in and, and have a look at the different examples of craft from around the country and around Europe, I yeah, should say. Yeah, I, I always find it amazing. I mean, children today tend to be attracted to modern tech, glitz, glamour, instant <laughs> yeah, yeah. sort of things, you know. But yet when I bring my kids out to any of those, you know, OBW sites or just points of interest, or po they absolutely love it, don't they, yeah. Regina? They are fascinated with it because it's all about storytelling and mm -hmm. it's all yeah. about sort of hearing these stories 
putting, I suppose, you know, it's not just, you know, saying the Normans invaded Ireland in such a year. It's about looking at the chain mail, looking at all of the reenactments, <laughs> looking at the weapons. And you can do that up in the Heritage Council on the 19th of August. You yeah. can go up to the Heritage Council. They have heritage and school specialists there all day where you can look at the, like, reproductions of the weapons, the armour. You can uh, hear people talking about what food people used <laughs> to eat in those days. And kids absolutely love that. Yeah. And it's just about, it's bringing that to life. I know Kilkenny Castle have an event as well for kids around nights. There's storytelling for kids in St. Canice's Cathedral and the Medieval Mile Museum have a whole schedule of, um, you know, events around witches and cats and yeah. things like that that really capture children's imaginations. Yeah, it's, it's brilliant, John. I mean, through Carlo Library, you must see a huge amount of interaction. Yeah. Uh, I, I, I put a, a replica Norman metal helmet onto my daughter's head at the time. She's only a bit sick. Now, the weight of it, how she didn't fall over, I don't know. But you could see she became a Viking in the space of about yeah. two seconds. Yeah. yeah, you know, the whole vibe of it came out. It's it's a very entertaining, good, wholesome family thing to do to to bring kids along to some of these events that you've Absolutely. got planned. Absolutely, they, they, they love it, Brian. It's all about the imagination and it is all about the storytelling. And sure, we, we know all about that in, in libraries as well. But they're great days out. I know my own kids, you know, they, they like nothing better than going to you know, out, out to Kells, for instance, or up to Kilkenny Castle, and of course there's a playground as well in Bucks, which helps, <laughs> so, you know. Yeah, when, when, the parents have done blessed, a, yeah, when the parents have done enough of facilitating yes. the imagination yeah. and the storytelling, and they just want to sit down and have a coffee and let the kids run around, playgrounds always come in handy. Very handy. <laughs> yeah, heritage officers and heritage sites tend to be pretty clever at doing that. You know, yeah. we need to get the parents to come back. What can we, yeah, nice bit of coffee. And a playground. Yeah. Right right beside the exit and entrance, that'll do it. Richie, I'm so lucky here in Ireland, Kenny and Carlo in particular, to have such a rich heritage. Absolutely, we're steeped in heritage here um, and it's it's everywhere we look. And really heritage is just, you know, what one generation hands down to the next. And I think one of the things that's lovely about bringing children to heritage events is that this is, I suppose, instilling in children who they are and where they're from and their place in that sort of thread of history. Yeah. And and showing them, making them aware of that, you know, the nature around us. I think all of us, uh, you know, have our, our faces in front of a screen so much of the time. And there's so many proven benefits in terms of well-being for being out in nature. And it's worth saying that Almost all of the events that are happening in Heritage Week, they're free. Um, a lot of them are outdoors. And it's they're the middle of the month. Friendly. Right, so let's be yeah. f- let's be honest about it. It's the middle of the month. Parents are to the pin of their collar trying to get kids prepped to go back to school. You still got to entertain them because of the fact they're still you know, around their feet every day of the week. Absolutely. Heritage Week comes at the perfect time of the year. That's it. And Wild Child Day is a day that celebrates children and heritage. That's happening on the 19th. Um, of August and there's also Water Heritage Day happening on the 20th of August where there are lots of events around the rivers and various aspects of water. Uh, one event that we're having in Kilkenny is a Holy Wells event. Um, we're doing a, a survey of Holy Wells around the county at the, mor- at the moment in Kilkenny County Council supported by the Heritage Council and so we're meeting on Saturday afternoon the 19th out at John's Well where Shanark Archaeology are going to be talking to us about the importance of the culture, important importance, the social importance of Holy Wells and people's traditions around sto- um, Holy Wells. And we're really encouraging people to come along to John's Well and share their family traditions of going yeah. to Holy Wells and things like that. Well, in a moment to wrap up, I'm going to ask each of you, I, I know we always do this with people running festivals, to ask them, you know, what's the one event within the festival programme that they're most <laughs> looking forward to? And I was going, oh, there's so many. So, don't give me the political answer. Just, just 
tell me which one gets you going most. But of course, if you're listening in and you want to find out more information, as the guys mentioned, all of the information for everything relating to Heritage Week right across the country is available on heritageweek.ie. If you can't remember the .ie bit, just remember Heritage Week. Type that in and it'll bring you to you. There's all sorts of uh, different tools to help you find out about the events that's on. You can check them all, heritageweek.ie. Um, we'll go ladies before gentlemen, just to try and be politically <laughs> correct for once in my life. Um, so what would be the most exciting event that you can see in your calendar, Regina? Picking your favourite Ah, there we go, you see? <laughs> there we go. <laughs> Look, at, what I will say is that there are organisers from events in Carlo and Kilkenny that will be on air every morning here in KCLR Live next week and fabulous prizes for everybody to, to you know, try and win yeah, um, we in have, the course yeah. of the week. Um, one event I'd really love to plug, I suppose, is the City Walls Tour, which is taking place in Kilkenny on Saturday morning, the 19th. Kilkenny is a walled city. Um, we're lucky to have a lot of upstanding walls still. And Colleen O'Driscoll from the National Monument Service, um, he's a, an archaeologist who's the director of excavations for part of those city walls. Yeah. And he can bring them to life like nobody I know. Yeah, sounds fabulous. Um, and as you mentioned, we have, we've got loads of heritage-related prizes to give away next week. Uh, John, on this one, what were you going to say? Well, I know where I'm going to be next Thursday and Friday afternoon, and that's in the exchange in at the Potato Market in Carlow. And Owen has kind of has it as a heritage hub for, for the week and, and a few days. So there's a, a number of events. I'm not going to go into them. You can look them up on the website. They're absolutely marvellous. They're diverse and they're happening from 2.30 to 7.30 next Thursday afternoon and next Friday afternoon in the exchange. Excellent. Well, Regina Fitzpatrick, Heritage Officer at Kilkenny County Council and John Shortall from Carlow Library. Um, thank you very much for joining us. You got the first bite at the Heritage Cherry this week and telling us everything Brilliant. that's got. And, uh, and as we said, we'll have lots more information coming for you all throughout next week and lots of great prizes relating to uh, Heritage Week to give away. Do stay tuned. It's just coming up on 7 Minutes to 11. KCL or Live with thanks to Fairgreen Shopping Centre Carlo, helping you step out of the sweatpants and into style. See fairgreen.ie. Kenny, Carlo, KCLR. Yeah, seven minutes, as I said, two eleven o'clock. It's Brian Redmond with you here on KCLR Live Heritage Week, kicking off. It's actually which you're talking about it as the guys will it's nearly 10 days but nevertheless it is up and running and you can check out all of the information you need on nationalheritageweek.ie taking us towards the news at 11 some soft sell with tainted love sometimes I feel I've got to run away I've got to get away from the pain you drive into That's Tainted Love from Soft Cell, bringing us to three minutes before 11 o'clock. Talking about heritage, you know, motoring heritage is also a, a big, big thing as well. Um, Kilkenny Motor Club have got an event coming up on Sunday, the 28th of August. It's in St. James's Park. Uh, it's a classic and vintage show, plus Family Field Day. They've got Kilkenny Sub Aqua Club going along. They've got the search and recovery unit probably showing you all of their gear and everything else. They've got musical entertainment, massive family day, bounce at castle, dog show, bookstall, bric-a-brac and many novelties besides. Uh, they're going to be obviously presentations there for best car, tractor and motorbike. It's free admission and complimentary refreshments for all classic and vintage vehicles. Also jumble and tracks. It sounds like another fantastic day out happening, as I said, on Sunday. 
the 28th of August in St. James Park. Do check that out. They've got their own Facebook page and you can find more information if you should need it on there. And we've got lots to do. Don't forget, keep those guesses coming in for what type of salad exists on the menu up at Rafter's Gastro Pub. It's related to Roman emperors we've been asking you this morning. Um, what have they named their salad after? Well, one of their salads anyway. Uh, named after a famous Roman emperor. It's not just available at Rafter's, although Rafter's probably do better than many other places. Is it A, the Tiberius salad, B, the Marcus Aurelius salad, or C, the Caesar salad? We've got two 50 euro lunch vouchers for rafters to give away uh, to two listeners before we're off air at 12. News at 11 is on the way just after this short break. KCL Live, with thanks to the Fairgreen Shopping Centre gift card, the perfect gift for all occasions. See fairgreen.ie. Thanks, Ashton. Busy weekend plans? Mm, not really. A bit of a quiet one. I think I'm working Sunday, so... Oh, are you? Yeah. Okay, yeah, yeah. No, I'll be, I'll be doing... Probably that Heritage Week type thing, bringing the yeah. kids out to Have go a and... look around, yeah. Yeah. Do you, get, do you ever go to any of those places? Um, yeah, like, growing up, we used to... Whenever we went on holidays, we'd always visit castles and places like that. Yeah, We're see, one of those families. I think most families are one of those families. Yeah. You're just in that little window of life in between mm-hmm. when you were dragged along to them as a child and you're not quite at the point where you've got children to drag yeah. them along too yeah, so I, I, yeah like I do enjoy them and when I was younger I used to give out because I'd be like I don't want to go to another castle not another <laughs> castle not another church you know but as I got older I appreciated them a lot more yeah um, no so, yeah. It's, it's, uh, it's, it's, it is great fun family days out. well enjoy your weekend Thank don't you. walk too hard the Sunday <laughs> when you're in Ashton Bottle Downing we'll be back with of course the news at 12 a little bit later on it's 5 past 11 it's KCL or Live KCL or Live with thanks to Fairgreen Shopping Centre Carlo with a fantastic range of shops food outlets and a state-of-the-art IMC cinema. See fairgreen.ie. Now, as I mentioned, Edwina Grace, she'll be telling us about the Thomastown Creative Arts Festival in a few moments' time. And our Friday panel this week is Councillor Deirdre Cullen and from Carlo GAA, Peter McConnell. But it wouldn't be a Friday at just gone 11 o'clock unless we were speaking to Alan O'Reilly from Carlo Weather. Good morning, Alan. Good morning, Brian. How's things with you? Yeah, not too bad. Enjoying a bit of sunshine this morning. Yeah, Going for the solar panels. It's, <laughs> it's been a couple of weeks since we chatted. I was off in a couple of weeks. Uh, you managed to get some golf in last weekend? Oh, oh um, enough I, said I walked there. the golf course. I swung a golf club and we won't talk after that. Yeah, okay. <laughs> well, listen, let's talk weather. Um, is it going to be a good weekend for golfers this weekend? Uh, very mixed weekend. So we've good sunny spells this morning. Um, cloud will increase a little bit and there will be some patchy showers uh, later on today. The wind will pick up. It's going to become noticeably breezy through this afternoon and this evening. And then some more persistent showers moving through the country tonight with some light rain expected in Carnot Kenny, possibly a little bit heavy at times. The weekend then, Saturday, is going to be a very mixed day. Sunny spells, good sunny spells, but showers and some heavy showers. Now, once the most of them clear in the morning, there will be breaks and there will be hit and miss, but some of them will be heavy and you could catch a few of them or you could catch very little of them. Um, but it was also going to be very breezy, windy day, quite gusty. Um, so tricky conditions for golfer, actually, Brian. But um, for everybody else, yeah, it's, it's, it's going to be keep the brolly probably close by and keep a good hold of it but there will be good sunny spells and 19 maybe 20 degrees so nice but not too warm Sunday then will start off bright good sunny spells and then showers again in the afternoon now probably not as many 
Um, but again, look, they're hit and miss. You could catch 10 showers, you could mm. catch one, you might even escape with none. But uh, again, windy, but not as windy as this evening or Saturday. So not a bad weekend if you can find the breaks and skip the showers or jump in and out of the showers maybe as, as it is. Yeah, I mean, it's been like that so much lately. A lot of that sort of showery, as you said, hit and miss is probably the best way to describe it, really. Yeah, it is. But at least at least it's going to be sunny spells because we've had a few weekends there where the clouds have sat on top of us and there's been no sunshine and it's just been dull. But at least there will be good sunny spells. So uh, keep an eye on the radar, watch the showers, and you should be able to, to get out in between them. Monday we'll see some showers as well, but good sunny spells as well. And... Um, the good news is we've less rain next week. It's not going to be a dry week, but a lot less rain. So Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday are looking like very little showers. There will be the odd shower, but very little. Temperatures not too high, but 19, 20 degrees. Picking up maybe as we head towards the end of the week into Thursday. Bit of uncertainty around the shower details. I know mm. I have a lot of farmers still looking to cut hay. Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday. Friday, if you got lucky, could be a window, but it's it's wait and see for the minute because Friday and the weekend is uncertain. It does look like warm air is going to try and push up towards us towards the end of the week. Now, whether how much of that makes it to us, and I'll, I'll put a warning out there that if you follow UK media, you're probably going to see forecasts for them hitting 30 degrees at the end of next week. They will get the heat, but we're just on the edge of it, so we might get a little bit of a blast of heat again like we had on Wednesday or we might just be on the edge of it. I'm hoping, like, it's a good dry spell coming up to the middle of the week, the end of the week, temperatures increasing, all looking good for the Tullish show uh, yeah. next weekend. So hopefully, hopefully that will happen. Yeah, it's interesting. I mean, I love speaking to you because you allow me to reflect on what is generally speaking anecdotal evidence that I get from everybody else. That Has it really been a terrible summer? Well, when you break it down, June was pretty good. The first half it was exceptional. Um, the second half it wasn't great. July was an awful month. There's no way of dressing that up. It was one of the wettest, if not the wettest, July um, since record begins in a lot of places. Now, 2009 was wetter at Dublin Airport, believe it or not. Yeah. 2007, 2008 were also very wet July. So it's not something we haven't seen before. Um, yes, Wednesday was the warmest day of the summer since June. So but there was no, really I'm missing see. the sun, basically. I, I know, that, you know, it's it's great for the grass, that, you know, they get decent enough temperatures and plenty of water and without having to, you know, overly work the garden hose, as it were. Um, but I'm missing the sun. Yeah, July was, was particularly poor that way. And I, I actually have a large sunflower that is, is trying its best to get there, but the sunflowers give a good indication in terms of they're being quite late in a lot of areas yeah. and how the sun has been lacking um, and yeah, de definitely, like July was, was a much poorer month for my solar panel output than other months than, say, April and obviously June. So that's a good indication, too, that the sun has been missing. But, you know, we kind of have this argument the whole time about August. Some people say it's autumn. It's very much summer from a weather point of view. And it can often be one of our warmest months. It's it's normally the second warmest, but it can even be the warmer sometimes. So um, as we head towards, yeah. towards the middle to the end of it, hopefully we'll see a bit more heat for those that are looking for it. But... Be careful what you wish for. Valencia and Spain hit 46. <laughs> That's true. Yeah, yesterday. yeah, it's crazy, isn't it? It's it's crazy. The, the grass is always greener, as we say, Alan, no matter what we're talking about. Listen, appreciate it always going to be hit and miss, as you said, 
there for the next few days. Let's see what happens next weekend. And you have, I have to say, very well laid down your excuse for poor golfing this weekend when you talked about the wind and everything else as well. <laughs> Indeed. May the ball go far, Alan. Take care. I'll talk to you next Friday. Cheers. Alan O'Reilly from Carlo Weather. Uh, a mixed bag ahead. But we've more than a mixed bag of stuff to do between now and 12 o'clock at Win and Grace, as I said, about Thomastown Creative Arts Festival and our Friday panel, all still to come after a bit more music from TLC. This is Creep. I hope you're having a good start to your Friday, which is really the start of the weekend. I keep trying to rob that of poor John Keane. John Keane, I suppose, has the right to kick off the weekend here on KCLR. He'll be with you after 12. And we leave that we leave that pleasure nicely to John Keane, as I said. Bring you great music right throughout the afternoon here on KCLR. Now, the Kilkenny Arts Festival officially got underway last night, and we've been hearing two of the alternative Kilkenny Arts Festival, adding to all of that today, uh, sees the beginning of the rollout for the Thomastown Creative Arts Festival as well. Our own Edwina Grace was in that town yesterday asking people what they're looking forward to and what the next 10 days will bring. So much colour and inspiration around us as Kilkenny's annual arts feast takes hold, including from today, the Thomastown Creative Arts Festival. So how are people in Thomastown feeling about it all? Right, well, we're just uh, getting it all together now and um, we're delighted with the publicity and the bunting. Have you seen all the bunting around the town? Over, oh, It's all a buzz. The men's shed is going to be chock-a-buck full of people. The community centre is going to be chock-full of exhibitors. And uh, I think Ross uh, Stewart is next door. We have people down the road, Marie Hulhan. We have uh, Pila in the water garden. It's going to be terrific, you know. And, oh, there's Christine in what was the, uh, the hair salon. And, I mean... We have Art in the Window, Bernard Kavanagh. I mean, Nancy Patton, she's running the show, so to speak, and uh, she has a great committee, Natalie and uh, Sinead, and I'm sure I'm leaving out loads of people, Annie, and um, there you go. Loads. Loads. And Clodagh Hulhan, a lot of people will know you as an artist too. Are you showing your own work? Yes, indeed. Uh, for the third run, year running, I'm here in the community centre with a whole new show. Well, I was uh, earlier in the Watergate uh, Theatre in uh, Kilkenny, and now I'm showing some of that work, uh, but I saw some stuff in the meantime, so I had to madly paint up a few more things to, to show here today. 
So. And what is it about Thomastown that's just able to bring all this creativity together? I think it's the actual logistics of the town where it's, it's sort of, you know, the one-way system we have, but even so, there's a sort of, a, it con- it's contained. And so you can actually get off the train, walk down, see a couple of exhibitions on your way, down into Market Street, around by there, and uh, it's just all sort of more together. If you're in Kilkenny, though it's great, let me please say, first of all, it's marvellous having it, and we're a sort of spin-off, if you like, but we're more self-contained. You can actually go to Thomastown and see all the exhibitions in a day and get a nice cup of tea in, in Blackberry Cafe and unwind, and I have to mention them all. And I, and I understand the Blackberry Cafe are staying open for the weekend as well. I believe so, which is, is a marvellous bonus, because, you know, during COVID, we actually, in this, now, COVID itself, 2020, we were totally shut down, but 21, we opened, and we had an arts festival happening here when Kilkenny hadn't. And uh, like that, uh, people were looking for a place for a sandwich or a cup of tea and that sort of thing. So it's marvellous news the cafes are staying open. And it's in everybody's interest. It brings people to the town. Let them see the town. And then, by the way, did you hear the good news about the Thumple? The Thumple is a, a graveyard just outside, near the GAA pitch. And it has the most marvellous gable end, Gothic gable end, of a grant of 60,000 towards that. And there's a talk on Saturday at 10.30 there, because it, it's coinciding with Heritage Week. So it, it's all going. The Creative Arts Festival here in Thomastown runs to the 20th. Um, is something like that good for an area like this? Yes, of course it is. It's brilliant because there's local people involved again and there's faraway people involved, but mostly local people. And it's again, it's going to bring other people to the town and activity. Everybody will have a cup of coffee when they come or they might buy an ice cream and everything has a knock-on effect and it's a good knock-on effect and everybody cares. And after um, growing vegetables, I think the next best thing you can do is be creative in an artistic way. So it's a win-win. Will you get to check out anything yourself over the weekend? I haven't, I haven't worked out a plan yet, but I definitely will. Very good, absolutely. Absolutely brilliant. I think it's a brilliant, absolutely. It's great for Thomastown. Yeah. You know what I mean? Bringing an awful lot of people for the whole week. Yeah. You know? Is there anything you're hoping to see yourself? Not, I haven't really thought about it as such, like, but I'm just looking forward to it, you know? Good. That's like, it, nice you know? Absolutely, yeah. yeah. You know? Gives a lift to the whole town, you know? It's grand, you know? Distraction. The Thomastown Creative Arts Festival runs until the 20th. How are you feeling about it? It's brilliant. Makes the town very busy. Yeah. It's lovely to go around and see everything and realise there's so many artists in Thomastown. Yeah. You know, we are a quiet town, but when it comes to it, we have lots of creative people. Yeah. And people are really good to support each other in Thomastown. Oh, yeah, yeah. There's a great community spirit yeah. in Thomastown, definitely. Yeah. yeah. Are you looking forward to seeing Anthony yourself? Yeah, I'll wander around to everyone yeah. and see what's going. How about yourself, Anthony, you're hoping to see? No, just like Mary, run around She's as well, just me. follow her, follow his suit. Yeah. Just go around and see everything. Yeah, and I like to go around and look at everything, yeah. And does it bring a nice buzz to the town? Oh, it does, yeah. It's it a nice feeling. Yeah. It does, yeah, it does, yeah. It's really busy, it's great. Yes, it's been a great day reporting from Thomastown, and they've got their own festival, the Thomastown 
Oh, you call it the Thomastown Creative Arts Festival, running from August the 12th is when the festival opens at 2am um, up in Tom Moore, co-founder and creative director of Oscar-nominated animated studio Cartoon. So they have a whole range of things going on again up there between the 11th and the 20th and best of luck to them all as they prepare for everything to kick off. Our Friday panel is on the way just after this. KCL or Live with thanks to Fairgreen Shopping Centre Carlo, helping you step out of the sweatpants and into style. See fairgreen.ie yeah, it's 24 minutes, almost 25 minutes past 11 on a Friday morning. Our Friday panel is coming up. But before we do that, we've been asking you this morning to celebrate the new menu, the new lunch menu indeed at Rafter's Gastro Pub. They have a salad on there. It's quite a typical salad in many places across the country, but nobody does it as well as Rafter's do. Um, it's named after a Roman emperor. And we've been asking the question, is that salad called a Tiberius salad? Is it a Marcus Aurelius salad or is it a Caesar salad? And of course, so many of you are so healthy. You know your salads so well. But one person who managed to get that question right, picking up that voucher for two, Rebecca Delaney in Callan. Congratulations to you. Enjoy that voucher. We'll get it out to you fairly soon. It's time to do this. The Friday Panel on KCL or Live. With thanks to Paul Kelly Hogan Lanigan, Kenny's leading law firm. See a full list of our services at pkhl.ie. One of my favourite times of the week, the Friday panel this morning, we're joined by Councillor Deirdre Cullen and Peter McConnell, Head of Operations from Carlo GA. You're very welcome along to the Friday panel. Thank you very much, Brian. It's great to be here. Yeah, I love it because uh, I never know where this is going to go. I enjoy the excitement and the thrill of having sort of two other people help lead the conversation. Uh, keep them well, Deirdre. Very good, very good, yeah. Enjoying your summer? Uh, today is lovely. Yeah, today is nice. And last Wednesday was, was nice. So I'm laughing all be- good. because we were chatting about it off air. Oh, she said, don't ask me about the summer. We've had enough of it at this stage. You know? <laughs> um, lots going on. I mean, you know, often people talk about this time of year as being quiet news weeks because, of course, all the politicians are sitting at home doing nothing. They're all off on holidays, you know, at their break. Go on, Deirdre, give it back to me. Well, I'm here, aren't I? I'm not on my holidays at all. No, no, the, the council does the city in, in August, but the work continues. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely, the phone still rings, yeah. And, of course, a big time of year for GA with all the finals taking place. Yeah, huge. We have a big weekend ahead of us, Brian and Carlo, with the uh, intermediate hurling final tomorrow and the junior, uh, special junior, and then on Sunday, senior hurling final and the junior A hurling final, which yeah. is a fantastic weekend for, for Carlo GA. But, a busy couple of days ahead as well with the hurling for cancer we'll get to that later on yeah maybe. absolutely and I mean you've got the ladies all Ireland football final up in Dublin lady sports actually it's been something that's been on the radar a lot we've had the Irish uh, women's soccer team um, taking place for the first time in the World Cup finals we've got Irish athletes doing well in the junior um, uh, track and field events taking place fabulous fabulous photographs of, of that athlete Undidi uh, picking up the gold medal in um, women's long jump it, it, it does bode well but there's still lots of work to, and interestingly enough even when I flick over the Irish Independent you know we've got three people photographed on the back page of the Irish Independent two of them right big in the centre female athletes you know it's it's great to see things starting to change isn't it it is yeah there was a time where you could have a look at the the, the back of newspapers and be hard pressed to see any female sports mm. person um, mentioned at all so absolutely it's a great time we've Leona Maguire as you said we, we had uh, Elizabeth there winning a gold medal in the long jump isn't that incredible yeah. you know we, we've never I'm had that before we have Rashida Adeleke 
Um, we have we've so much going on now in terms of um, high performance, top class female athletes coming to the the, the four who are Irish. Yeah. And I'm not I'm not a bit surprised. Um, we see you know standards changing. We see funding increased. Uh, we we see the benefits of that as with the the ladies um, soccer soccer team the Irish soccer team, so look at there's a, a hell of a lot to do. Um, we have changes this year in particular in terms of our sports capital grant funding, and now this year for the first time, uh, whatever you're applying for, if you if if you're not in compliance uh, with the Equal Status Act, which means that if 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 whatever you're looking for funding for will not be able to uh, equally accommodate both men and women in your club, then you won't qualify. So places like Portmarnock Golf Club <laughs> probably shouldn't uh, be applying. You know, well that's for sure. Yeah, <laughs> but isn't it brilliant? I mean, it's innovative. I really commend um, uh, Minister Thomas Byrne and indeed the the work that uh, uh, Minister Jack Chambers did last year. I was involved with Jack Chambers. He was Dan Kilkenny a good bit and we met a lot of clubs. And uh, the one thing that was um, really important in terms of applications in the past recently was that uh, you needed to um, show that you encouraged female participation in sport. And I'm chairperson of Bensbridge Camogie Club. I know Peter is hugely involved in GAA as well. And you you tend to see at times uh, a fallback or a drop off in in girls participating in sport around the teenage years. And uh, if we are to hang on to girls continuing to play sport, we've got to ensure that there's facilities there for them on an equal basis. Yeah. That when they walk into a club, they're going to be treated the same and have the same facilities that are offered to uh, all the all the fellows that are there as well. We'll be we'll talking more in a moment about the various different um, funding opportunities that are available now. But let's let's bring it back down to brass tacks. When I think back, and I go back to my own youth, I can only think of. Well, there's two names that spring to mind. One of them subsequently had all of her gold medals stripped off her for a different reason, particularly. But apart from that, Sonia is really the only person that I can remember from my youth where she was a national, still is, a national star. We've got so many of them now, Peter, haven't we? Yeah, look, it's fantastic. And, and athletics is very close to my heart, Brian. In fact, I have a, people might know that I have a couple of national underage athletics titles, 800 metres. Um, and at the same time that Sonia was really the, re, the real up and coming star of, of uh, athletics in Ireland and Sonia's daughter has just won the uh, European under 23 1500 metre mm. title in a 1-2 for Ireland in 1500 metres in ladies <laughs> event at a, in the European titles that's absolutely huge and it's something that we've probably let go under the radar it hits the headlines for a day or two but you know that new wave of athletes that are coming through both men and women in Ireland is just fantastic you know and, and uh, Deirdre alluded to the to you know the, the, a long jump gold medal for Ireland yeah. is just phenomenal like, mm. you know and then Rashida Adeleki what she's doing on the world stage at 200 metres and 400 metres you know you, you, the list goes on and it's and inspiring for other young athletes coming through you know yeah if we go back to the 80s you know for example something like the Irish women's soccer team making the World Cup that would have been the Massive. women's sporting story of the year now, the girls went and they, they acquitted themselves so well for the first time at the World Cup and here we are two weeks later and we're talking Bionna Maguire you know in with a chance of winning majors and regularly in with a chance of winning majors we've got all those athletics you know ladies doing so well we've, we've got great coverage now of the ladies GAA be it camogie or football we would never have had that in the past 
Yeah, and I think what Deirdre mentioned, you know, that we're, we're looking at elite athletes and, 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 you know, elite athletes have to be really given every opportunity to be successful on an international stage. But let's b- come back to the grassroots of it where Deirdre is very involved with, you know, the Camogie Club in Bennis Bridge, you know, looking at the Ladies Gaelic Football Association in Carlo and the, uh, the Camogie Association in Carlo from a county perspective and what they're what they're trying to to do and what they're trying to achieve and it's it is an uphill battle for them quite a lot and we are you know doing our best and we have a great working relationship with with Donny Nolan in the uh, in the in the ladies football association and uh, Linda Kenny most especially in the Camogie Association in Carlow to facilitate them as best we can we are looking at a program called Entus 2026 where on a national level those three organisations as well as handball and, and score are going to be brought in, in under the whole umbrella of of the GAA. Now, look, it's going to be hugely challenging logistically, uh, you know, with, with uh, facilities and stuff like that. Yeah. But it's something that we have to strive to. It's a challenge that I'm looking forward to. And I think, you know, we're, we're embracing this hugely in Carlo. But I would say that, you know, we, we have a constant battle trying to get facilities for our ladies yeah. Uh, in Carlow. I'm going to let you come back in on that in a second. It's interesting, a couple of um, couples who are both um, male and female, high profile GA stand their own right, have come out recently to highlight the differences between the man and the woman in that relationship where basically the male county GA star is, is practically a professional sports person and the female is, st- is still paying for her own fuel and her own gym membership. We've still a long way to go, haven't we? We, we have, absolutely, and uh, it can't be the case that if you're you're coming home from college or you're travelling a distance to come back from training during the week and you're a female uh, camogie player, for example, and uh, you're not getting the same mileage as your brother or your, your boyfriend or, or, yeah. or a male counterpart in your local club, that they're getting back and play intra-county. Uh, and in terms of nutrition, in terms of access to physio, all of that, it can't be that you know, one side is, is, is treated, you know, elitist and the other side isn't. That is absolutely ridiculous at this day and age. And I fully support, um, you know, what the our Camogie players are, are striving for here in Kilkenny and, and the, the, the Gaelic footballers, the female Gaelic footballers. We need the GAA themselves to come on board. This isn't just a Camogie Association issue or a Ladies Gaelic Football Association issue. And the first thing I suppose that, that that possibly has to happen is more clubs and uh, all clubs are going to have to look seriously now at this one club uh, initiative whereby you know your local grassroots clubs um, be it the, the, the Camogie and your GAA that they come together first because that is where it, it needs to start happening but in the interim uh, the GAA in general Crow Park are going to have to step in and get involved and make sure that there is a, a, a quality charter put out there so that I have two kids of a, a, a boy and a girl uh if if they ever got to intra county, you know, I would I would hope and assume, but 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 it, it mightn't be the case that one would have the yeah. exact same opportunity and the exact same facilities, I, you know, to allow them to progress as the other would have, and that's not happening at the minute, and that's why it needs to change. We uh, we we'll go on to other topics later on, but I mean, just it's it's interesting for me, particularly in a sport like GA that is an amateur sport, because the the argument that's often made in professional sports, be it soccer, we've heard it a lot, for example, at Wimbledon in terms of differences in prize money. The the current women's major golf championship that's gone on made a big announcement during the week that their prize fund is actually now for. The, for the British Open Championships it's like exactly the same as it is for the males mm-hmm. but nevertheless professional sports have made the argument that with the women's side of it doesn't bring in as much revenue that argument can't and absolutely shouldn't be held up when it comes to the GAA Peter 
No, and, and rightly and rightly so. And and again, um, you know, I think that's what this this whole um, this whole initiative towards twenty twenty six is trying to iron out that um, there will be equality within the whole umbrella of the GA incorporating ladies and camogie, ladies skating football and camogie. So you know. It's going to be hugely challenging, Brian, because you know we're looking at. I'm looking at facilities even in Carlo, and you know I'd love to have a double header in Netwatch Cullen Park with a ladies' match and a and a, and a, a men's mm. men's match. Let it be. Hurling. Has that never happened? It can't because of the facilities oh, that we have at the minute. Because because well, is that changing? Dress, is that like practicalities? Ch- 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 I tell you what to do. Need to apply to the sports capital now. Yeah, I tell you what to do. Hire in two containers. Yeah. Stick the lads in the containers for getting changed, and give the girls the dressing rooms, and then the next time around swap them over Good, for pure equality. Yeah, something to look at. But again, I, I, and I go back to that sports <laughs> capital amazing, grant. Yeah. You know yeah. that that sports capital grant is the the criteria around it is hugely hugely significant. Yeah. Because anybody now who wants to avail of state money in relation to sports funding through this grant is going to have to prove and show uh, what they're doing to uh, increase the female participation in their sport. Yeah, yeah, excellent. Well, listen, we're talking Friday panel with Councillor Deirdre Cullen and Peter McConnell, um, Head of Operations from Carlo GA. We'll continue the conversations in just a moment. KCL or Live, with thanks to Fairgreen Shopping Centre Carlo, with a fantastic range of shops, food outlets and a state-of-the-art IMC cinema. See fairgreen.ie. McKenny, Carlo, KCLR. It is the Friday panel here on KCLR Live. It's uh, 21 minutes to 12 o'clock. I'm joined in studio this morning by uh, Councillor Deirdre Cullen and Peter McConnell, Head of Operations from Carlo GA. We were talking before the ad break of uh, things that sport has to do in order to try and prove its uh, its plight within communities and the country at large. But they do a lot of good things as well, though, Peter. You've got something coming up highlighting what sport does really, really well. Yeah, um, we have the Hurling for Cancer um, mm. uh, in, in Netwatch Cullen Park on Monday the 21st. And, you know, it, it's not it, it's, it's about what the Irish Cancer Society are doing uh, to create awareness and funding. But, you know, the sports people right across the board, it's not just GA people that are that are talking out with us next uh, next Monday week, uh, Brian. It's uh, we've got Sean O'Brien. Uh, well, listen, that's the crack of it, isn't it? I yeah. mean, we, we were in the height of the absolute epitome of um, elite GAA at the moment. It's nice to see those people mixing in with some people who, who might be misremembering their level of skill or maybe taken to the fields for the first time. Well, Sean O'Brien, I put it to Sean O'Brien that we'll bring him along to do umpire, and he said, absolutely, I will in my... I'm, I'm talking out and this is, so he's, he's, he's looking to get a crack at TJ Reid and if TJ if you're listening be prepared but like, are you putting a shout a call out to TJ Reid now <laughs> is, that, is this yeah. like a boxing challenge Sean, Sean O'Brien is <laughs> oh right okay yeah, but yeah. Like we have we have look we have Rachel Blackmore we have a lot of people from the racing, horse racing industry um, you know Davey Russell obviously Brian Cody and Liam Griffin managing you know uh, five or six of the, the See, I can't work out which one of those two I'd rather shout at me at half time to be honest with you well you know what they might think that this is a friendly, but when it gets down to the brass tax, but I could say I could see these these guys are so competitive in their own right. Like, you know, we've Michael Dignan and Marty Morrissey there to do the the uh, the the media coverage of it. But you know, the the two Cliffords, David and Paddy, who are not yeah. hurlers, but they're they're coming up to run the the sideline. So uh, again, you know, massive and a huge, huge um, assistance from communities of Carlo at the moment. And I, can I just you know again, Carlo Carlo Rugby Club who have 
left their premises open to us for parking. Uh, Carrotown Hurling Club, obviously uh, co- some of the companies around there that are uh, opening their centile and, and uh, rear wheel and opening their businesses to allow parking free of charge for people to come along. So really looking forward to that event. Um, you know, it's, it's, it's a who's who of the, of the sporting world right across the board. Um, Ursa Jacob very very involved as well from, mm. from Wexford Camogie so yeah. really it does uh, sport does so much r- f- for charity it's it's all community that's the thing I mean Deirdre you've got another example of it yeah, I do yeah and I just want to give a shout out to you know our own Kilkenny Senior Camogie star Katie Power um, she is getting behind a campaign to provide medical support for sick children so it's the Jack and Jill campaign and it, it's up the hill for Jack and Jill initiative now, it's the ninth edition of this event and the fundraiser is an aid of the, the foundation and it urges people to take to the hills throughout the summer in support of the local Jack and Jill families and, and just to say that every 18 euros registration fee will help fund one hour of in-home nursing care and end of life support for 11 Kilkenny children with high complex life limits medical conditions uh, up to six years of age and a total of 65 families have been supported by Jack and Jill in Kilkenny since the charity's foundation in 1997 so uh, good on Katie uh, power for, for getting behind that initiative and if anyone wants to get involved or to register uh, just go to um, www.jackandjill.ie And without even realising it you've very neatly bookended and tied together those two four stories that we discussed you know Jack and Jill you know using her as an ambassador rather than one of the big male sports stars as an ambassador for that yeah. campaign uh, Peter just going back to the uh, that event taking place in Netwatch uh, is obviously to, to raise funds is there admission tickets and people popping yeah, along yeah tickets are are available online and I think you know talking to Una Manning um, her dad is Jim Bulger the horse trainer we have Jim Bulger the county board chairman in, in Carlow as well but uh, Una is is the main uh, driver behind the, the and she was saying that, that um, online ticket sales are looking like a, a 4,000 at the moment you know, still a week beforehand so it's a tenner uh, but you can pay at the gate as well yeah and uh, tender in and uh, obviously free parking and you know as I said promises to be just a great event yeah. I got there Monday the 21st of August it's just symptomatic of uh, the the, the the connection between sport and community I and mean, we've seen it all summer long we've seen it with the, the kill camps for example the GAA kill camps yeah. were they a blessing to you to get the kids out of the house over the first part of the summer absolutely yeah um, my young lad Harry he was um, at the cool camps in Thomastown with all his mates from Bridge. yeah every year the, the cool camps when the gear arrives you get the bag the the half zip or, yeah. or whatever yeah. and the t-shirt it's brilliant value you know I think it was I, 70, I've always 75 said that. euros and you get the full set of gear, you get the bag, and they'll all go back to school with their Cool Camps bags now in September. And uh, and then a, a solid week uh, of hurling, not just hurling, loads of different activities that went on uh, at our one anyway down in Thomastown. And no Man's Land seemed to be one of the most popular things that they were doing at the Kill Camps. Uh, like it, uh, you, we used to call it Piggy in the Middle, I think. Sure, sure. You, could, you probably land, can't yeah, call it that yeah. anymore. And yeah. look, there was loads of camps on offer. I mean, the, the FAI had brilliant camps as well. And uh, I know my daughter went in, she she went into the tennis camp in town. And look, at there was something for, for all kinds of interests yeah. in Kilkenny during the summer and not terribly expensive can be a, a little bit taxing but um, you know well done to the likes of the GAA and to the FAI because uh, the, the cost wasn't huge for the, the week that was put in no, and all the effort value. made yeah. and you mentioned cost I mean we just mentioned cost and talked to someone and talk, 
we can't deny it, can we? What are we now? The 11th of August, you know, within the next two weeks, most of the kids will be there or thereabouts and starting to get back. And I was talking Heritage Week earlier on and the first thing that jumped to my mind, Heritage Week, free events, you know, middle of the month, everybody's waiting on the paycheck. Last month's paycheck is well gone at this stage, buying, you know, shoes and everything else. It is a tough time for families, isn't it, Deirdre? Ah, yeah, it is. Absolutely. And look, at a lot of good things have happened. We have now the free primary school books that is, has been brought in. So from September, uh, that cost will be gone for primary parents. And that, that's a big deal. We we have brought in the, the hot school free meals to be extended to all Desh primary schools. Uh, I'm a teacher in, in, in Desh secondary school and uh, most of our, our Desh secondary schools, if not all, have the, the free hot school meals yeah. anyway. Um, but this is to bring it in to make sure that, it, that you know, all of the, the Desh primary schools have it. And then to roll it out to all primary schools next year and with a view uh, down the road to having it for all primary and secondary. And look at whether we like to hear this or not, kids do go to school hungry. Of that there is absolutely no doubt. And that's a brilliant initiative. And I know that um, there was an extra 100 quid um, put on for the, the, the clothing and footwear allowance and the reduced transport cost. All that aside, and all that is extremely welcome. And I've lobbied for all of that with Minister Foley. Um, but still, we need to address and take a look at the huge cost of our secondary yeah. school. Uh, Peter, a, a, lot of, a lot of teachers that I would speak to around about May, and if they're primary school teachers, maybe into June, they get concerned because we all know that there's, there's kids in various different classrooms and the various different schools whereby the safest part of their day, be it in terms of physical safety or emotional safety or maybe sustenance and food, is when they're at school. And... All of a sudden, teachers are worried about these kids that are facing into two or three months where they're not going to have potentially that daily routine, that daily support, that daily connection, that daily care. Summer, for many of us, thankfully, is, is a beautiful time. But it's also challenging for others, isn't it? Absolutely, uh, Brian, and I'm acutely aware of that. I'm, I'm uh, with another hat on. I'm, I'm on the board of management of Saint Leo's Girls School in Carlow, so um, you know I am fully aware of of the, the the worries and concerns in relation to obviously expensive school time and the fact that um, there is you know concerns from teachers around you know the 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 safety, security, and well-being of their their children, not just when they're in school, but when they're out of school as well mm. you know teachers t- teacher is a vocation and there's no doubt about it I don't think that'll ever be lost not a job I could do being straight and honest with you because it's 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 hugely tasking but um, you know I, I do I do see um, you know people struggling on a daily basis um, and on a weekly basis to try and come to terms with costs uh, the general cost of living and that that's not that's not helping at all and you know I had this discussion during the week with somebody in relation to you know your your basic food shopping now that seems to have just increased hugely mm. in the last the last six months alone like you know and and that has a huge impact on how and people leave their lives another story breaking in in, in <coughs> the last 24 hours or so is in relation to to banks I mean you know we talked about for example or it's been said that apparently 43 percent in the UK 43 percent of the interest, increasing interest, is now being passed on to people who are lucky enough to have savings in the banks in the UK. In Ireland, that figure is about 7% is being passed on. So the extra interest that the banks are making here in Ireland um, is not being passed on to customers. We also hear stories of government, for example, having these huge surpluses. And yes, they talk about keeping them for a rainy day fund. But I would contest that there's so much could be done with such a small proportion of that money. Why aren't they doing it? Uh, 
Well, we have that surplus. Uh, I can tell you here now, if I don't see something for to, to alleviate the cost of secondary school students in this upcoming budget, uh, I'll, I'll lose the rag myself because, yes, there is a six billion uh, surplus. I'm not saying that we need to, you know, s- spend all our money in one go, but we've got to implement huge change here whether it's the in terms of cost of living and yes some of it needs to needs to be universal uh, and a lot of it needs to be targeted and I I don't see the sense of holding on to uh, every last little penny that we have Mm. when people are really suffering that's not prudent budgeting is it really I mean, you know, sort of saying we've got this money there and the walls are falling down and there's a leak in the roof and yeah. I'm not spending any of it despite the fact I've got it all in the pot out in the garden under mm. the shed. That's not prudent budget. That's just being tight. <laughs> yeah, well, I, I, I would expect that this upcoming uh, budget uh, will certainly, um, you know, look to give back more uh, in terms of to alleviate the cost of living in that. And we, we're all making, state, stating our, our, our cases to the government. I certainly am in a huge way, in particular regarding education. That's my background. And uh, I want to see movement. I know Norma Foley has has uh, mentioned it yesterday that there will be movement on the significant uh, educational costs of secondary teach, secondary students and families. But look, there's a hell of a lot more that can be done. And yes, it needs to be very targeted in, in what the government forward and, and, and uh, do, do in the future to alleviate the cost of living. But some of it will have to be universal because at the end of the day, come on, like Peter will agree with me here in all of Peter's ex- experience. Um, there's a there's a huge cohort out there that don't qualify for anything and have very little in their back pocket mm. at the end of a uh, week or at the end of the month and we cannot forget them. Yeah, and I, th- I think uh, you're probably hitting the nail on the head there, Deirdre, from my point of view of, uh, you know, giving money out is not a one shoe size fits all. Yeah. And, you know, we have to look at the people who absolutely need it the most. You know, uh, some people can pay their own way. You know, it, it has to be it has to be correlated down that, that you know, if you can pay your own way, pay it. I, I understand that there might seem a bit of unfairness in that attitude, but the reality of it is, you know, we have to, the, the assistance has to go to those people who need it most. Yeah, okay. Interesting topic of conversation uh, on the Friday panel. <coughs> Councillor Deirdre Cullen and Peter McConnell, um, Head of Operations of Carol GOA. Do stay with us. It's eight minutes to 12 o'clock. Um, we'll let you wrap up the whole week in just a moment. KCL or Live with thanks to Fairgreen Shopping Centre Carlo, helping you step out of the sweatpants and into style. See fairgreen.ie. Kilkenny, Carlo, KCLR. You're welcome back to KCLR Live. It is the Friday panel. The Friday panel on KCLR Live. With thanks to Paul Colley Hogan Lanigan, Kilkenny's leading law firm. The full list of our services at pkhl.ie. We'll get into some of the lighter topics in a moment, but just to let you in on a bit of insight, when we've got our Friday panelists in, we often talk during the break. We don't just sit here looking at how pretty we all are. Um, and we were just talking um, guards, because obviously... And many of you will know Peter McCullough, an uh, ex-sergeant. Uh, I get a lot of people telling me that uh, general sort of thuggery and just general bad behaviour around the town and city centres is a much bigger problem now than it was 10, 15 years ago. Peter, is it? Well, I, I think, I, I, can I qualify by saying, you know, we've, in my ex-role, um, we had a lot of really good um, operations going, which uh, City Safe, most notably in Kilkenny, and town safe in Carlow and there were operations that was high visibility targeted to areas and it worked and you know we reduced uh, at the time you know 
antisocial behaviour and assaults and that type of crime quite significantly. It's all about presence, um, Brian, and that, that hasn't been lost. Yeah, but on. Back in the same topic, Jack. Go on, Deirdre. Yeah, it is all about presence. It's about um, it's about boots on on the ground and, and visibility. Cash. Myself and Funding. Peter would have sat on the uh, joint policing committee together. I still sit on it, and uh, as Peter will will attest to, I'm shouting and roaring for for extra resources at every meeting. And I don't know. I just have a sneaky suspicion we've an awful lot of Gardaí out there who are amazing. And they're just being bombarded with paperwork and they're sitting in an office trying to get it all done. Why the hell can't we not get civil servants in to take that workload off them, send them back out onto the street, have visibility, have guards at every, you know, in every town and village that are visible to yeah. the, the general public. Look, at that's that's me. That's what I would like to see. Yeah. Yeah, is it funding, Peter? Yeah, it is funding, um, but it's work practices as well, Brian, you know, and, uh, you know, we need to look at work practices to get people doing. I went to visit the Tempe police force in Arizona uh, almost about 20 years ago um, in relation to town twinning with Carlo and and, uh, and Tempe, Arizona and I went to the, the spent three days with the police force 330 uh, policemen and women on the force uh, 160 um, office staff and 500 volunteers from 14 year old boys picking up um, spent cartridges in the range to a 75 year old pensioner shredding paper yeah. all jobs that had to be done so the police could go out and police yeah yeah, it's, it's, and I think that's probably you know the, the feeling that I would get from speaking to listeners around Kilkenny and Carlow is that they just don't see or feel that there's enough police on the beat you know it's a uh, it, a bit of a chunk of that six billion would definitely help out, and it comes down to our politicians to make sure that it's spent appropriately. Ah, uh-huh. uh, yes. kids are going back to school. I mean, you're going to have them in your classroom. Yes. Are you looking forward to getting back to normality? Yeah, I am. Yeah, um, look at. I, I think we all like a bit of routine, don't we? Mm. Um, it, it'll be a bit of a shock getting the alarm oh, set for yes. for earlier for oh, for, for think, my kids. You just said it. Um, thinking, oh, the porch. Where's the school bags? The lunches. <sighs> Jenny, yeah. Ah, look, um, funny enough, I think it's changed nowadays. I could be wrong, but I remember going back to school after the summer holidays, whether it was primary or secondary, and absolutely dreading it and saying, oh, for God's sake, my kids don't seem as, no. as devastated going back to they school. They love it. Is that a different, a new thing nowadays with, with kids that they're, they're happy to go back to school? Is I that? Th- I, th- I do think they miss their pals in a lot, yeah. of, in a lot of cases. You know, they do miss their pals. And, and uh, I have a problem getting my two to go on holidays now because they don't want to be away from their pals. Like, you know, <laughs> like, or maybe they don't want to be with you. <laughs> that's, the, that's the other side of it. Maybe. Take a look in the mirror there, Peter. Yeah. But uh, yeah, certainly um, it, it's, but school is, School is a great time, you know, and I, I, I just, just won't admit it. Uh, won't no, always admit it. Yeah, no, yeah, I, I actually I think ju- it's different now. I think I've cracked it. I think I've cracked it. I mean, my son started secondary school last year. He'd gone into second year now this year. When I went up to visit the, the secondary school as part of the parents' thing, I was like, this place is cool. It's definitely different. And he was, yeah. they were showing me the different rooms, the arts rooms, the tech rooms, the little science. And he was, I, he was amazed that I was amazed. And it's what you've got to understand is when I went to school, every classroom, maybe apart from the science lab, was a concrete block with wooden benches in it. Yeah. Well, you know, it's a lot to look forward to now. It's a good sign that... Uh, it's freezing cold as well, oh, Brian, to boot, you know. I mean, yeah. Full of Christian brothers. Yeah. Well, 
Yeah, fabulous. I mean, education has changed a huge it has, amount. I got it has. Yeah, uh, Irish women's Irish. play and sport is starting to go the same way, mm-hmm. and hopefully we will continue to improve as a society. Deirdre's got one more thing she wants to say. Go I on. do. I, I just throw it out there very quickly. Can I just remind um, the community of Thomastown yeah. about our public consultation that's, that's happening right, next week? Next week, it's happening on Tuesday, seven thirty, in the community centre, Marshall Street, and uh, Thursday for the local businesses. And look at, in a nutshell, I've been fighting for this for a long time, and now we have our public consultation to see what can be done with the old super value uh, with you long term for Kilkenny County Council to purchase it for community use and as everyone in Thomastown surroundings know the, the, the men's shed are there at the minute and uh, they are amazing and look at I'd encourage everybody have your say yeah. there in Thomastown there is an online survey as well uh, really important that people have their say it's a, it's a, it's a large building and car park and uh, the long term would w- we would like to see would be to, to have it all linked with the community centre next door, the outdoor recreation area that's new and the upcoming new library uh, that, will, that will be starting. So have your say, Tuesday, everyone. Tuesday, public consultation, Thomastown. Go on, Peter. OK, Irish Heritage. You're going to get me sacked now. National, Come on, National Heritage Week again. Big yeah. event in Carlow next Sunday, uh, next uh, Wednesday with the, uh, the unveiling of the uh, Hockney Cup in Carlow Museum and uh, a brilliant talk by Dr Siobhan Doyle who has written a fantastic book GA100 Objects be there brilliant pleasure thanks for your company um, over the last 45 minutes thanks for your company week long I'll be back with you on Monday I'm going to get out of here before we are too late the news at 12 is on the way KCL or live with thanks to the Fairgreen Shopping Centre gift card the perfect gift for all occasions see fairgreen.ie